Abhijit Mnaskar once said, Politicians of today are fragmented being, creating a fragmented world. Keep this in mind as we discuss today the two-party system in American political landscape and how that impacts your daily life. My name is Dr. David Wallalu. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. Do you want an even deeper understanding of what's going on in the world around you? There are many things that we can't get into here in these short videos. But on our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com, we get into some of the deepest and most pressing issues happening in the world around you. There we have deep dive presentations where you can ask questions live, have conversations with us and each other on our private members chat. And we often have surprise bonuses just for you. So if you want an even deeper understanding of what's happening around you, check out our membership at geopoliticsinconflict.com. The truth of the matter is the two-party system and how we do it in America impacts every person in America every moment of their lives. How important can this be? Well, that's for sure, Russ. And it's not new. That has been for a while. Here is one fact that most Americans do not know, is that the political, uh, uh, both political parties, the Republicans and Democrats, have been controlling the political process in the United States for the last 150 years. Right. Yeah. And they put us in the situation we're in today. Yeah. And this is why we decided to do this video, because we wanted to bring up some questions. And by the way, questions that have been brought up before, it just, it was no debate about these issues. Right. Or these questions. Well, one of those questions is, or one of those questions are, is, can we have more than two parties controlling the political system? You know, other countries have done it very successfully. Yeah, but apparently in our system, it's not working. And how that translates to you, because the decisions that those two political parties make in Congress, it trickles down to our daily life. And you wonder, and the question that becomes is, what if you don't want to vote for either party? Shouldn't you have a choice? And the answer is, some places you do have a choice, but you don't have a choice here. Exactly, and that is part of where the problem is. So it becomes the question, uh, is it upon us, the citizens, because as you know, uh, uh, in our constitution, that it says that the government is for the people, by, by the, the people. people. So, so it will be uh, sort of our wishes, our desires, because those representatives in Congress are working for us are representing our interest, not the other way around. Oh, there's a big question mark on that one. <laughs> I know. I mean, a very big question mark. What we have is a very high percentage of the people in this country disapprove of how the government's being run. I don't know the exact statistic, but it's in the 70s or 80 percentile. Yeah, well, because people have noticed that their, daily, their, their, their lives are not improving the way you're supposed to. I mean, you look at now, and let's be realistic about the reality where it is. The standards of living 
in America now are declining, declining rapidly. rapidly. I'm sure you noticed the prices of oil, prices of commodities, the inflation, uh, infrastructure, you name it. And as we've said over and over again, 61% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have extra money to spend every month. And we can say the Congress and the government are directly responsible for these things happening to us, that our money is shrinking in value. Exactly. And another question that we need to ask is, what is preventing the political system here in the United States from having more than just two political parties that control the process? We've seen startups try and they failed. They failed, yeah, because, I mean, I look at it in a way that if you are, for example, and I'll share it, I had someone one time approach me uh, to consider running for Congress. You know, I kind of joke. I yeah. said, to the, you must be joking. He said, no, I, 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 it's a good friend of mine. Uh, and the reason I said, no, 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 it won't work. Because what if I want to run not as a Republican, not as a Democrat? You know, I will be an independent, right? And what will I accomplish for my constituents? Almost nothing. Nothing. Because inside the parties, you gain favor. That means you kiss up in some way. Exactly. And by kissing up, that means, okay, I'll, I'll go along with your whatever your whatever. program is, yeah. questionable mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And that means I'll gain your favor. I'll be on committees. I'll get power. I'll get influence. And what I want, you'll probably support as well as a give and take. Yeah. But you got to be inside one of the major parties or nothing happens. And that's exactly why I refused. Because I knew it's not going to work. Plus, I don't want it. I'm a private guy. I like my private life and I don't want to get involved in all that stuff. But here is one thing that you need to know. If we are to go back to the beginning of the United States, there were more than two parties. There were at least four or five. <laughs> Except that you start to see the concentration between, between the major members of those parties are, are like lining up to form one team against another. Right. And over time, it was shaped into the Republicans and Democrats. That's why I said earlier, they've been controlling the process for the last 150 years. So, and this is why we wanted to talk about this topic for you to sort of consider, you know, why, for example, the living standards are going down. You know, are those politicians there working on my behalf as it ought to be? We seem to have a lot of evidence that says just the contrary is true. Exactly. And this is where, in my opinion, where term limits comes in. Uh, the question becomes, if we have term limits, will we have sort of a different outcome? We know if there, if there are term limits, that the generations are going to, of human beings are going to be represented better. How many people in Congress have been there for decades and decades? Yeah, exactly. So, and there is the idea of uh, how these two political parties now that are controlling the process, where are they getting their power from? Let's talk about lobbyists. Lobbyists will be one of the key factors. And... Actually, we did a show on this mm -hmm. once upon a time. Indeed. And what we did is we showed how the lobbyists exert enormous influence on legislation. Yeah. That means the people in Congress 
are going to be responsive to the people who are giving them campaign money and who knows what else. And how they must vote the way the The special special interest groups dictate. You're absolutely correct, Russ. As a matter of fact, I remember it was the 12, uh, the stats we found was about 12,000 lobbyists in Washington. Yeah, we broke down to seven, eight, or nine per. Nine per. Nine lobbyists per congressperson. Per a member of Congress, yeah. That's very interesting. But here's the thing you start to ask the question, you know, is this why uh, sort of. how would you categorize our democracy in this setting? When in a democracy in itself, it calls for, all, for plurality, it calls from choices. Right. Aristotle maybe was right when some 2,000 years ago warned about the danger of how uh, democracy, because it's going to be very different, you know. But in this case of the political parties, if you only have two, what if I don't want to vote for the for both of them, shouldn't I have an option for it? Well, you're out of luck because you don't get a th- there's no third choice. Yeah. So is this what explains the low voter turnout? Why our low voter turnout is so low? The United States voter turnout is among the lowest in the world. It's surprising, you know. Yeah. As a country that the last presidential campaign, mm-hmm. there was a real bump up mm-hmm. because I guess the conflict and controversy. I guess too. Yeah. Sixty-seven percent. Oh, I see. That was up substantially. It's been declining decade mm. after decade by about 5%. Yeah. That means people are feeling less and less engaged and less and less powerful, less and less able to make any impact on what's going on. Yeah. Well, there have been some attempts. I did uh, some research and find out that there have been some calls for the need to allow other parties to emerge. But apparently... It looks like the Republicans and Democrats are in agreement that it's going to be just between the two. I always look at it like this. I give the analogy of football, American football, uh, a quarterback. You've got a quarterback in the Democrats and you've got a quarterback in, in the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And each one of them threw the ball to the other every either four years or eight years. <laughs> that's that's and the pretty analogy. Well works that way. Yeah, that's the analogy that I saw and, and thought about it like, because, and, and who's the football? It's us. Yeah. We are from here to here because we don't have choices. You only have these two parties or you don't vote at all. There is possibility that this could explain the low voter turnout. Others saying it's just they are not interested anymore because they want to see a third option out there. They'd like to see some results that serve their lives. Mm-hmm. And could a third or fourth party? Well, we look at some. We look at how coalitions happen when there are three or four or five parties. And the the diversity of the parties means more people are served more directly. Exactly. Yeah. And this is now the question that becomes to you is how this set up the current one that is how it is impacting you, how it is impacting your family, how it is impacting your finances and your business. If you happen to be a business owner. Right. No. Because those are legitimate questions that we need to ask in terms of, uh, well, if my voice is not heard, then what is the point when we're saying that the government for the people by the people? So representatives in Congress are supposed to advocate for our interest, not the other way around. Well, 
when we did a deep dive into this mm -hmm. with gerrymandering, which is his own topic, mm -hmm. lobbyists, and selling of influence, we found that the American voter impacts laws and policies 1%. That's nothing. Wow. That's, that means that they have no impact. They have no impact whatsoever. The lobbyists and, and the political things going on behind the scenes dictate everything else that's going, dictate everything that's going on. Wow. That is very shocking. That's shocking. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised at it because I was aware of, for example, in uh, some other countries in the Western world, the percentage of the voter turnout is always higher. Some of them above 80. Right. So, yeah. So we hardly ever seen those kind of figures here in the United States elections. Uh, I try never. We checked back decades and we've never seen that high voter turnout. Yeah. I mean, the highest, I think, was in the, what, 59, 61 or 62? That's about it. Uh, the highest voter turnout was 67%. Hmm. That was recent. Yeah. But it really hovers really around the upper 50s. 50s, yeah. Which is nothing. That means just... Half the people don't vote. Don't vote. And the question becomes is, why don't they vote? What is preventing them from voting? Is it dissatisfaction with the system the way it's set up? Is it lack of options? Is it economics? Is it whatever? Yeah. Is it barriers to voter to register? There are, there's a lot of things going on that are preventing people from registering who even want to. Yeah. Could it be also for you, Russ, as a psychologist, could psychology play a role into that in impacting their decision somehow, in your opinion? One of the things that most Americans are now experiencing is helplessness. And if you feel helpless, you're going to feel hopeless. And what's going to motivate you to try to take action? Yeah. Not much. Not much. So this is probably what explains why the, the, the voter turnout and because the lack of options. The lack of options is, yeah. is t tells the story. Yeah, so they are limited into all that. So I mean, it's been a conversation. Uh, what's interesting, what I found very interesting is we don't hear any debate nationally about this issue because the politicians themselves are not willing to open the door for that. And that becomes the question of, well, where is the interest of the citizen, your interest, into all this? Remember when Ross Perot ran for president? I do remember. A third party that he financed himself? I do remember. And I did remember reading his tax proposal. It was incredible. As a businessman, he was a businessman, so he knew. And his tax proposal, Ross, was very effective. I read it as well. And I liked a lot of the things he had to say. They were so pragmatic, mm -hmm. and he was so much against waste. He said, let's do an experimental program. If it works, we'll, we'll go ahead and flesh it out. If it doesn't work, we dump it. That's how businesses run. Yeah, and come up with something else. No, I don't remember. But he funded it himself. And maybe, and maybe, Ross, that's where the key for why we are not having multiple parties. Because the question becomes is, why can't we? I mean, wouldn't you want to see a third or fourth or a fifth party? There are those who argue, no, it's better this way, only two parties managing the political process. Others are saying, no, we want to have options. We want better representation. We want to affiliate ourselves with, with a group of, of legislators mm -hmm. that's going to look out for us. With two parties, there's actually no accountability. And this is why you, we see in the same 
members in Congress over and over and over again. You know, the amazing thing is there are certain members of Congress in high positions that in their home territories are not very well liked. Hmm. But the political machine produces the votes to put them back in office. Wow. I'm going, this is amazing to see. And that's why I always ask, Ross, the question is, how can, what can you do in 30 years that you couldn't do in 10? That's why, personally, and this is my personal opinion, I am in favor of term limits. Term limits, to me, it's going to help alleviate some of those issues that we are dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, average Americans does not realize that he or she, uh, that when decisions are made in Congress, they trickle down to his or her pocket. I would say they flood down. It's not trickle down. It's, it's yeah. that you go to the gas pump and you're paying three ninety eight a gallon or whatever. Yeah. You go on. That the Congress directly is responsible yeah. for that. And you find now, yeah, you find an American now standing in his or her kitchen, you know, uh, opening the fridge with one hand and having a bottle of medicine that needs to be filled up. And you need also dinner. Right. You can't have both. So that becomes the question of, you know, we're not saying you blame the government for everything. That's not what we're saying here. All we're saying is that the political process in itself should be for working. The process itself should be working for the people because that's how it ought to be. There's something about, and I really looked at, did a deep dive into this. There's mm -hmm. something about being in the lofty position of government mm -hmm. that's intoxicating. What that means is that people stop, the people in Congress start thinking of themselves as above others. And it's because they've got so much power and they don't have to hold themselves they don't, they're not holding themselves accountable for serving the people, mm -hmm. and the people can't hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And so they get rolling on this self-importance, and then, then there's always the backdrop of, well, who do I have to kiss up to to get money for the next mm -hmm. campaign? As opposed to being government-funded uh, to pay for the campaigns. Well, that seems to go against American way of thinking, but maybe it's not such a bad idea. Yeah, but I wonder if the politicians will allow that to happen, or even lobbyists will allow it. Because the whole issue is into ensuring that the same politicians are back or, or winning re-elections is because the lobbyists are providing that kind of funding. They're providing funding. They're providing the legislation in writing to hand to the Indeed. legislator. Indeed. They have long-term standing relationships for decades with some of the legislators, they've all been there forever. They know each other. They do all kinds of interesting extra activities together mm. that the lobbyists pay for. Yeah. Going, yeah, okay, well, yeah. term limits is a possible solution for that. Yeah. And yeah, there are those who, and here we present both sides of the argument and let you, of course, reach your own conclusion. There are those who are saying, well, lobbying, uh, is not prohibited by the Constitution, which is, of course, is not, because there are even those who suggest that lobbying is a form of freedom of speech. I can see that, because if you are to advocate for the, those who have less voice, that makes perfect sense. You know? Where the problems become is when the lobbyists are f funneling unlimited amount of money, thanks to the Supreme Court decision of 2009, right. 
paved the way now for the individuals within our society who have more money, who have more money, that means they have a say. Big say. Big say. So the average Joe or average Jane, his or her voice is not heard. That means you and I and Ross and all of us, because we are average citizens like everybody else, our voices will not be heard. You know, there's a form of government called being, having an oligarchy. Mm -hmm. What that means is the powerful and the wealthy get to make all the important decisions, create the policy, and create the laws. Welcome to America. Yeah. Well, it looks like the system here has been in, on that path for some time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not new, and this is a lot of voices are coming up uh, into whether, uh, you, how long can it hold? And the question that is meaning now wondering about is how long can this system hold? I mean, we already start to see cracks in the system. And we're seeing lots of other countries, say in Europe, who are worried about this. They're seeing some of the same kinds of things there. And what happens when your standard of living drops 30%? Mm. And you're already living paycheck to paycheck. Are we going to see people in the streets saying, we're tired of an oligarchy? You scream, government, that you are a democracy. We're certainly the citizens not feeling it. Yeah. And this is, I mean, uh, just to piggyback on your points here, Ross, which is absolutely correct, I look at history that provides the, the French Revolution. Off with their heads. What did they have? Why did it happen in the first place? It's because the, the gap. The gap was so big between the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots. You're absolutely correct, Ross. And we've seen, we're now seeing it here. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see. I never thought I would see this, but it's, it's sad to see that. And this is, again, we're not saying just blaming the political parties or just the government. It's just how the policies are emanating from Washington. That is based only on two perspectives. One is Democrat, the other one is Republican. You know, shouldn't there be a third option there? Because that's usually how it's supposed to be. Or a, or a fourth or a fifth, you're absolutely correct, right? And is this absolutely predictable that it would go this direction with no accountability? Hmm. No serious accountability. Once a person is in office, statistically, they're going to be there again and again and again. I mean, we just look at the national numbers over the last hundred years. Yeah. To take an incumbent and defeat them is very hard. Yeah, and that means things will not change a year from today, two years from today, three years from today. You know, because this system has been managed that way for the last 150 years. Yes. <laughs> so I don't see how it's going to change in a year or two, unless unless Congress will allow for third parties or fourth or fifth to emerge. Well, it's, it's against their... their best interest, and of course they're looking out for who first. Themselves. Their, their interests. So that becomes the key, the key word right there. Whose interests are the political parties advocating for? Because what is the political party's objective overall? Its objective is basically to influence government policies. Exactly. And uh, the question is, are those policies to your favor, to your benefit, or theirs? And too often what we're seeing is Theirs. Theirs. That's how always be. This is why, uh, and we're not pointing fingers here, but this is why you see most members of Congress are millionaires. You know. Yes, some of them came from wealthy families. You know, we're not saying everybody's bad. That's not what we're saying. It's just like over 20, 30 years, all of a sudden you become this millionaire. Uh, it's kind of, 
it put question mark as to the uh, 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 practicality of you as a member of Congress serving 30 years. Why? I went to a presentation of a very high-ranking member of the, of the Congress. Mm -hmm. And this person during the presentation said, you are governed better than you deserve. Hmm. It just The ripple went through the audience. <laughs> and in his arrogance, he believed that. And I don't doubt that that's, a, that's an opinion held and said in private by lots of Congress people. Because you know, they are thinking that way, or because they want to maintain the system. So. And so. they're also intoxicated in the power of this. Yeah. I mean, I know I talk a lot about how this intoxication happens. Biochemically, when you get in that much power, you are not the same person who was elected. Your chemistry is different. And you begin to imagine yourself as much more important than you really are. Is this what gives also the example for billionaires, how they become a different oh my God. mentality, a different approach to how they deal with things? They're heavily intoxicated by their, by their wealth, by their prestige, by their power. And you hear them say preposterous things or do... I mean, yeah, yeah they're intoxicated wow. on their own juice. That's an interesting aspect. So, well, this is what we wanted to address uh, today. Just to highlight to you some uh, sort of, this is like a, a basic question that many have been wondering about. You know, how come we only have two political parties in our system? You know, in a democracy, as I said earlier, I believe personally that there should be options. You know, you don't live in a set regime, in a, in a, in a, uh, in an absolute monarchy or whatever. You know, we live in sort of our republic that requires mm -hmm. sort of options. You know, unfortunately, we're not seeing this be because we're really not. Yeah, because to me personally, uh, both uh, Republicans and Democrats are two faces of the same coin, and way too often support the exact same failing policies. Yeah. And this is why we wanted to present this basic information, at least to understand how this setup that has been there forever is impacting your daily life. You know, the question is, what can we, all of us, do about it? Is it within our power to make that change? Those are the legitimate questions. Anything to add, Ross, before we close in here? I think we've told the story. Yeah, the, because it is a question that many are really would like to have an answer to. Especially now when we see so much going directions that are against us. Yeah, for sure. We the people. Exactly. Well, we hope you find this information very useful and we look forward to seeing you next time. As always, stay informed. Till next time. Bye-bye.